The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host, and some have been calling me the shale play prophet, the North Dakota nomad. I am broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of the podcast. Ben Holiday with the Holiday Energy Group will be joining us a little bit later on the Bakken Barbecue phone lines to talk about Energy Ship Summit happening February 27th through the 29th, Scottsdale, Arizona. The event combines leadership and energy. He's going to come on to talk a little bit about that. Plus, we need to talk about the definition of what a landman is. Anytime I talk to a landman, I love to try to see if I can get like a 30-second or a 60-second definition of what a landman is. And generally, it turns into a four-hour conversation. I promise you that's not going to be the case today. But I will ask him if you can give uh, me a definition of what a landman is. He used to be one. So uh, when you're a landman, you always usually got a story or four, that's for sure. So, Well, what else do we have going on here with the Crude Life Podcast. Well, I'd like to take a moment to recognize the music that you hear. That is the Moody River Band. If you have a regional singer-songwriter or a band or a regional band, a local, that sort of thing, you'd like their music cross-promoted with The Crude Life, email me, jason at thecrudelife.com. That's jason at thecrudelife.com. Of course, at The Crude Life, we're constantly extending uh, our reach, our olive branch, our voice to those who don't work in the energy industry on a day-to-day basis. Reaching out to bands on a local, regional uh, level is outstanding. Of course, bands have tremendous social media power. They uh, were one of the originals, actually, that figured out how to use social media at an early date. In fact, it gave Yahoo, uh, not Yahoo, but MySpace, uh, was very, very popular with the bands early on. And then, of course, it sold for quite a bit of money. All right, let's see what else is going on here today. Provolone, as you know, you will not be speaking today. We thought today we'd finally give Provolone the floor to talk a little bit about what's going on. By the way, folks, if you're just tuning in for the first time, thank you very much. And also Provolone, he's our entitled intern, his mother and father, Mama and Papa OGC, oil and gas company, own a modest oil and gas company. They came to me and they were a little bit concerned because they're dear dear sweet provolone was majoring in entitlement at the university he was being taught too much entitlement at the university he wanted him to understand and learn a little bit about respect of work and also of industry therefore we have provolone here manning the production elements but he's a he is a talent he is a talent and boy i'll tell you what your behavior at the super bowl party was why you're suspended today and you know that why you are not able to talk today, and you know that. Now, it has nothing to do with your alien palindrome talk. Listen, I get it. You're into weird things. You like to talk about all kinds of walks of life. I, with the, no judgment there. 
No judgment. You can talk about alien abductions happening during the Super Bowl because of some palindrome YouTube video you saw. You know, that's fine. Hey, I'm sure my stuff bores you too. I get it. Hearing a story about surviving cancer is boring, but, you know, alien abductions during during a Super Bowl at halftime, that is captivating. So no provolone. That is not why. That is not why we are not allowing you to talk today. Uh, nope. I do want to mention the groundhog did not see his shadow, so we've got an early spring coming. You know, and he's pretty accurate. What is he, 40%, you know, since 1887. So they, it's not like they've been keeping records for a long time. I mean, since 1887. And it's not like he's not wrong 60% of the time because he's only 40% accurate. So what the heck, early spring. Maybe start putting away our winter coats and getting out our galoshes. And let's call that one the groundhog. 40% accurate, but he did not see his shadow. Therefore, Early spring, according to the groundhog myth lore. And no provolone. Your behavior was it was not not your manners. Now you you don't have the most appropriate manners. I understand that. You double dip the chips. You do not ask anybody if they'd like a refill, even though you're part of the hosting. There's certain, you know, there's certain entitlement manners I understand and I accept with you. So no, that is not why you're not speaking today. And you know why, you know why. Headlines coming up in just a moment or two. Also, Ben Holiday with the Holiday Energy Law Group will be joining us here in a moment or two on the Bakken Barbecue phone lines. Do you wanna mention our event, which I brought up earlier, the Energy Ship Summit happening February 27th through the 29th. That's our spotlight event of the day and the links of course are available at our show page at the crudelife.com ben holiday and i are going to talk a little bit more about that a little later in the program he's a part of that where they bring in all kinds of different uh topics that aren't normally talked about at other conferences so uh we of course want to give him a platform because anytime we can think outside the box and maybe kick it around a little bit i am all about that so let's get into our headlines here. But first, I would like to mention our sponsor, today's sponsor here at The Crude Life. By the way, folks, if you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life, we'd absolutely love it. We invite all the sponsors here at The Crude Life to come on. And if you'd like more information, just send me an email, jason at thecrudelife.com. We'll definitely get back to you on those sponsorship ones, that's for sure. Because we do need to pay the bills. We do need to keep the lights on. And we do need to tell people how the lights are put on. That's the important part about keeping the lights on. We need to remind people, educate, and inform people how we keep those lights on. Today's sponsor is Clark Energy Consulting. Clark Energy Consulting is an advisory firm that provides market research and commentary specifically for investment, consulting, and industry professionals focused on oil and gas. They deliver impact to clients by bringing generational industry experience and insights to the broader industry. They advise on topics ranging from market and growth strategy to investments and risk analysis. Their goal is to develop lasting and rewarding relationships with their customers and friends. For more information on Clark Energy Consulting or to check out their OG insights, check out ClarkEnergyConsulting.com or click on our show page for the links there. 
The Crude Life every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I have a couple emails that have called me the North Dakota Nomad and the Shale Play Prophet because a lot of what we talk about here, you are hearing it first. You are hearing it before anybody else is speaking about it. We get some arrows and slings and dirty looks from time to time from the topics that we talk about. But hey, we were talking about the energy and environmental movement five, six, seven years ago on this program. We were comparing it to the smoking ban. We were doing all kinds of different things. And now we got presidential candidates talking about it. We got cities and and counties and states trying to ban it fracking and trying to ban the oil and gas industry whatever happened to plastic straws so we're all done with trying to figure out how to help people correct their behavior with how to use something that may be harmful for the environment so let's get rid of an industry let's not correct people's behavior we still have raw sewage being dumped and pumped out of yellowstone so the things that we have set aside For our top environmentalists to manage, they can't even do that. So rather than admit it, rather than try to figure out a way to help people's behavior by using straws, they're just going to do what they've always done and pick on people and ban an industry and basically demand you change your way of life to accommodate theirs. So interesting times here. And of course, that's some of the things we talk about here with our esoteric energy approach here. We've cured thousands some might even say millions here at the crude life we just wing it we throw out the notes here it's organic it's natural it's the esoteric approach to energy you gotta have a strong mind to do the esoteric approach to energy because sometimes it doesn't always go your way like i said when you just throw out the script and it's 100 percent natural baby it becomes you know, it becomes a little bit of a, 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 a trial and error at times. and that's But that's okay. That's, that's trial and error is what life is. That's exactly what life is. So, all right, we're going to get to headlines next. Oh, please. All right, let's do headlines. Provolone, what do we got today for headlines? Let's take a look. All right, headlines, by the way, folks, as we just read the headline, a couple paragraphs, make our judgment, assessment, and move on with our life, just like everybody else on the planet That's how they read headlines. So we like to do a little segment that we call headlines where we do that as well. So first one, how oil refining transformed U.S. history and way of life. Products derived from refined crude oil form an integral part of our lifestyles from the asphalt used on the highway to the gasoline and diesel that fuel the vehicles we drive. It is safe to say that refining of crude oil has profoundly impacted our evolution. Today, refined oil remains one of the main drivers of our economy with fluctuations in price affecting significant industries such as aviation and transportation. 
Estimations by the American Petroleum Institute show that the oil and gas industry accounts for roughly 8% of the gross domestic product in the U.S. with approximately 10.3 million people contributing to the workforce. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there because that's what we try to do after a couple paragraphs. Outstanding first paragraph, by the way. Just a great reminder that not only is the oil and gas industry you know, doing our highways, but it's driving our cars on the highways. And most of the products that are on the highways are made from it too. So excellent opening paragraph talking about it. The second one, and maybe this is where we as an industry, we need to rethink some of these things because I've said this for four or five years. We have to redo how we evaluate rig counts. The, the way that they evaluate rig counts right now is not effective for today's oil and gas industry. The drop-off rates, the crews, the automation, all the different things that have gone into what a rig is today, the way that rig counts are determined in order for economists and for forecasters and executives to extrapolate the information, I just don't think it's there. I think it needs to be redone and revamped and I've had a lot of very smart people agree with me on that. Again, Shale Play Profit, North Dakota Nomad. There you go. That's why. That is why, because we have these conversations right here. The other thing that is, is I think, needs to go into the thought bank, into another word I'm making up, like bubblegum for the mind, is... When the American Petroleum Institute shows that the oil and gas industry accounts for roughly 8% of the gross domestic product, the writer or somebody needs to put that in context because the average person, when they see 8%, they're not going to think that's very high. When, my goodness, 8% of the gross domestic product of the U.S., that's pretty significant. But I don't think the average person cares, nor do they know that. But if you put it in you know, perspective, oh, compared to computers, compared to, you know, farming, compared to something. And then with approximately 10.3 million contributing to the workforce. See, th those are not helping the industry because for, uh, to be honest, those are low. Those are low. You take away a lot of the oil and gas workers, the cafes aren't going to be open. What's that going to do to trucking? How many water trucks are needed per rig, per well. And I, I know there's a number out there, and it's a rhetorical question because the number fluctuates a little bit, but it, you see my point where if that goes away, then those jobs go away, and then the cafes go away, and then the person who's you know dropping off the three Red Bulls or the dropping off the Red Bulls because the guys working a hitch are buying two Red Bulls and a breakfast sandwich every morning at the, at the, at the uh, convenience store. There's a ripple that happens, and I, I always that always irks me because I know what the API is trying to do, and it's great information. So it's people like us that need to take that information and then put it into context because the API can't do everything, and there are many industry leaders out there being funded to take that information and put it in context for the average person out there. And obviously, it's, it's not happening because there's more and more counties and states and, and cities that are banning and putting uh, climate emergencies out there every single day. Next headline, climate policies helped out 
Okay, where are we at here? Climate, this comes from the Financial Post. Look at you getting all smart here, Provolone. Climate policies helped put 54 million Europeans into energy poverty. Canadians are next. Europe has become a continent where families are often asked to pay extraordinary amounts of, uh, for basic needs, including energy. That has led to what is known as energy poverty. Many are not able, I'm just going to stop this right now. It's called socialism, folks. It's not energy poverty. It's socialism. There are many efficient ways, economical ways, and clean ways to bring energy to humans. But when you're forcing somebody to do something a certain way that is unproven, that is socialism, not energy poverty. All right, the story continues. Many are not able to afford household power bills, especially in winter, but also during summer heat waves. A number of Europeans affected by the problem is high. According to the European Union in its 2005 report on the rising energy costs, fully 11% of its member states' population, that's 54 million people, already cannot afford their energy bills. 54 million people, wow. The UE further estimates that fully one quarter of residents or 128 million people are at the risk of being energy poor. All right, so there you go. Europe's been way ahead of the game. Germany has been touting. I think they even got, Germany got as close to, I want to say 30% of their grid powered by renewables. I think it might have been high 20s, but I'll round up. I'll round up because I know that I don't think they got over a third. So I'll even go up to 33%. You know what? I'm, I'm in a good mood today. 33%. So there you go. Remember, they want to get to 100. So they find Germany got to a, a third, 33%, we'll say. Now it might be 28, 27. We're just like I said. Their, their energy bills have tripled. And it's not been 100% reliable. They haven't been 100% renewable. Their bills have already tripled. And they've already had to fire up the coal plants again. So for some reason, gee, imagine that. Mother Earth doesn't care about policies by the UN. Humans have been decarbonizing for over 150 years, and the trend will continue without the help of the Sierra Club and other organizations. So... I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's bizarre to me that this crash course, how quickly they want us to give over our money and our rights for something that's unproven. And, and the, just the fact they're using children and fear should be a red flag for everybody out there. Should be right there. Just anyone that has to use fear and children should be a red flag, should be right there. And they're using two major ones right there. So, all right, our third headline, Patrick Mahomes' last-minute kneel downs cost many betters. Oh, I love stories like this. The over-under on Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards in Super Bowl LIV was one of the most popular prop bets offered 
at sport books around the nation. And it went down to the final possession. Mahomes over under rushing opened as low as 27.5 and bet up to as high as 36.5. Mahomes had 44 yards rushing entering Kansas City's final possession with the Chiefs leading 31 to 20 and 57 seconds left. Mahomes kneeled on three straight plays, losing 15 yards. He finished with 29 yards, rushing a costly outcome for betters. That was close to a six-figure swing in the favor of the house, according to Caesar Sportsbook Jeff Davis. So there, there you go. Great story provolone because most people honestly they're watching the super bowl for the betting and the commercials and the halftime show and all kinds of different things i mean the show the the super bowl itself you know it was it was good and you know we we had our party and provolone again you're not allowed to speak today and it's not because you know your alien palindrome talk it's not because of your manners you you will work on those it's not because you got a little inebriated. I mean, come on, man. You work in oil and gas, so I'm not I'm not going to judge you for that. Um, I'll even go a step further. And I'll even say it's not because of your busy hands. Your hands got a little busy as the night went on in conjunction with your inebriation. So I'm, I'm not even, uh, that's not why. You know why you're not allowed to speak today. You know why. Because of what? you said and how you said it and we'll talk later we'll, yeah. getting back to the super bowl good super bowl what i found a couple things that i a couple takeaways that i had and i'm going to get back to the sporting bet in just a second because to me one of the big prop bets was you know what color was the gatorade i mean you wouldn't believe that the the, the, the line on this was lime green yellow plus 175 Red pink plus two fifty, clear slash water plus three fifty, blue plus four hundred, orange plus four hundred, purple plus five hundred, and I looked last night as Andy Reid got drenched in orange Gatorade, so that was a plus four hundred. So big money there on the orange Gatorade. But getting back to the game, that's the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He, he had a good game. Fell apart in the fourth. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, had a good game. Had two interceptions. The worst game of his career, actually. Uh, and then he put on a great game. And the cream rose to the top. Patrick Mahomes has not had one bad game as a pro. And that's true. Going into the game yesterday... He had not had a bad game as a pro in terms of stats and interceptions and touchdowns and the whole ratios and everything. He had two interceptions. He still got the MVP. He had probably the worst game of his life, and he still got the MVP. 49ers, now they fell apart in many ways at the end. I mean, I thought the game was over with about, I don't know, five minutes left, and a lot of people did. But it what, here's the other part I, I took away from yesterday's game was that it took a quarterback that could run to win. Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers would not have been able to win yesterday. No way. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen are the future and they are the now in the NFL. And that's the other thing. We got to remember that we've been saying so-and-so is the future. Well, that means they're the now. Plus there was a high energy 12-minute uh, halftime show, which 
I'm sure, you know, they, they really did bring it. It was high energy. It satisfied people with ADHD. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of J-Lo or Shakira and, you know, the Vegas half to Vegas style shows. I'm not big on that. But you know what? They, hey, they, they brought it. They did a fantastic job. They brought it, you know, and J-Lo is 50. Shakira's 43. And these beautiful, talented women are just doing and, and having energy like I can some days I can barely get up. I mean, when I'm when when I sit down crisscross applesauce, there's a good chance I might not stand up for a half an hour. Then here we got Shakira and, and J Lo out there doing kip ups and all kinds of different things. So um it was it was something else. Plus J Lo masturbated at halftime. So I mean, what the heck? You got all that put in quite the event. So Getting back, uh, Patrick Mahomes kneeled down for the final three possessions and won the Super Bowl, but cost people thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in Vegas. All right, folks, there we go. That's our headlines. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Ben Holiday on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. Ben Holiday is with the Holiday Energy Law Group. We're going to talk about Energy Ship Summit, February 27th through the 29th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we want to mention one more time our sponsor for today here at the Crude Life Podcast, Clark Energy Consulting. They are an advisory firm that provides market research and commentary specifically for investment, consulting, and industry professionals focused in oil and gas. Clark Energy Consulting delivers impact to clients by bringing generational industry experience and insights to broader industry. They advise on topics ranging from market and growth strategy to investment and risk analysis. Their goal is to develop lasting and rewarding relationships with their clients and their friends. Check out ClarkEnergyConsulting.com for more information or visit our show page for the links on our show page at TheCrudeLife.com. Back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I am your host. I am referred to some as the North Dakota Nomad and the Shale Play Prophet. Thank you very much for tuning in here. We're sitting in the Hatch Coaching Studios. We're going to be going to our Bakken Barbecue phone line in just a moment here to join Ben Holiday with the Holiday Law Group to talk about the Energy Ship Summit happening February 27th through the 29th in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is Ben Holiday. Are you there? Ben Holiday of Holiday Energy Law Group. This is Ben Holiday with the Holiday Energy Law Group in San Antonio. Perfect. The levels look outstanding. Thank you for joining the crude level, uh, crude life. Jeez, the crude life levels. That's one of the things. That's I tell I tell the uh, people the podcast. You know, nothing can ever go wrong because you <laughs> you you know you just put it online you don't have to edit just keep going just keep going so that's right uh well, welcome to the program today hey before we get into the event that we're talking about uh let's quick plug that before we get into the other thing but when is the upcoming event just the bare bones on the event the name and location and date you bet it's the energy ship summit it's going to be in scottsdale arizona it's actually a little little part of Scottsdale called Paradise Valley. It's February 27th to, through the 29th, so right there during the middle of spring training. 
Great. You know, a lot of people will be excited about NAEP in the beginning of February. This is going to be one that caught my interest at the end of February. You know, anytime any, somebody like me can get out of the cold up here in North Dakota, up in the Rocky Mountain region, we, we look for any excuse we can. So uh, this event caught my eye. But first off, let's talk about your background a bit. Give yourself a little bit of a plug for what you do for a living. Talk about how you're involved in the energy industry. And then from there, we'll transition into the event, okay? Yeah, you bet. So um, I came into the energy industry uh, right after law school. I went to law school here in San Antonio. And this is right in 2000. You know, I graduated in 2006. So things are really starting to kick off particularly in the Barnett Shale, you know, shale started to become a thing. And, you know, I had never, you know, I just never really considered oil and gas. And uh, a couple of things happened my last year. I, one, I took oil and gas law. And at that point, to be honest with you, if you could have done a net-net swap right off my student debt, I'll give back my law degree. Like, I, I've taken that deal. <laughs> at that point, I just kind of a little disillusioned with it. And, uh, and then I took oil and gas and just everything changed. I mean, it captured my attention and I just knew this is what I want to do and dude uh, excuse me do you not so you don't have a background really in oil and gas no my dad worked for a coal uh, fire generation plant there in East Texas but uh, I mean my exposure to oil and gas growing up we'd go dove hunting in a field there'd be some pipes from back in the day and they just look like old relics of another era you know I was like like a Mayan ruin or something out there in the Middle East, Texas. And I just never gave it much thought. I didn't know anybody in it. And I found out, you know, I just exposure to class. I talked to some people and I found out about this thing called a landman. And I thought, that sounds like a fake job. What's a landman? That sounds like a fake job. And I, and I heard what they did. And they go out and take leases and do all the things. And I said, no, this is what I want to do. Start talking to professors. Everybody's trying to talk me out of it. And I'm very stubborn. I said, no, I'm, this is what I want to do. And so I graduated law school. Went to work for a law firm for, you know, uh, about a year. Got the opportunity to go in-house with an oil company in Fort Worth, uh, actually natural gas. And I was right there in the middle of, you know, right there in the middle of the Barnett boom. I show up, and a week later, we closed the deal. They sold the uh, assets of one of the companies. And, you know, here I am, 26, 27. I see guys jumping in a swimming pool wearing Lucchese boots. I'm just like, what? is going on this is awesome <laughs> this is awesome and uh unfortunately that was kind of the highlight of the barnet shale so uh but it was good it's good two years in house and once things started slowing down there uh started up a law firm with a couple guys and uh, it's just been full-on legal practice representing operators doing transactions and title opinions and regulatory so that's that's my angle of the industry do you do you enjoy energy law Oh my God, I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah, I mean... It, it would I'd seem like it would be really challenging, but yet rewarding and fun at the same time. Oh man, it's a, yeah, it's a wild ride for sure. You know, I have friends that do probate, and they always joke, well, people aren't going to stop dying. And uh, that's true. You know, it's a very stable market. Oil and gas, as we all know, it's, it's got good times and bad times. But hey, you know, I've had... I've enjoyed them both. You know, when I was transitioning from the... Uh, company in Fort Worth when they shut down operations at that time it was dead I mean when I say dead I mean gas was horrible oil was I don't remember 20 something a barrel and uh you know my wife and I looked around and said what are we going to do this everything's a lateral move we just got married no point in being in Fort Worth and uh so we liquidated everything we own 
and we just took our backpacks and just traveled the world for six months, you know? And so we've had some good times with $100 oil. I've had some great times with $20 oil. <laughs> so you got to take, you got to make, uh, you got to make lemonade, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, people tell have told me in the energy industry, you know, you break even during the bad times to make, some good money and have some fun during the good times. And I've experienced right. both the same. And uh, a, a, uh, one of the sponsors of the program, Josh Swanson with Vogel Law, he's an attorney. Uh, he he absolutely loves mineral law. He does minerals. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got a brouhaha happening up in, in North Dakota with uh, Lake Sakakawea, which was flooded. It's, it's man-made back in the 1960s. And they um, divvied up the, the land minerals underneath the water, you know. And so uh, during $100 oil, the state decided they wanted to claim ownership of that minerals. And the people who own the minerals were like, well, no, we'd be getting paid on this for years and years and years. Right. And so this has been going on in court for 15 years or 10 years now. And um, he's a regular on the program so much to so where he became a sponsor because um, well, because these these law stories, I tell you, they make some good. They, they they can make a good story. I mean, they're they're a Netflix original sometimes, and all you guys oh, are doing is telling us what's going on in the world of law. So I could see where energy law would be just exciting. It's fascinating. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, I wouldn't. I've, I've... And I say jokingly, but I'm not joking. I mean, if there were no, if I couldn't do what I do now, I'd, I'd go rent surfboards in Hawaii if my wife had let me. Uh, but it's, yes, yeah, it's just so fascinating that the personalities on every end of the spectrum, the operators, they got to be people that are willing to take big risks. And so with those big risks come big personalities. Then you get to meet the landowners, uh, which I had a lot more exposure to as a landman than I do now, but. You know, you get these farmers that have, you know, been in some cases like the Eagleford. You know, they've been working on working the land and scraping by, and then overnight they're millionaires. And so uh, that comes with a whole set of challenges from a personality standpoint. It makes life really interesting. And you could you could write a you could write a book of funny stories that we hear about landowners and trying to track them down. Okay, pop. Uh, ben Holiday, Holiday Energy. Law Group. We're going to be talking about the Energy Ship Summit coming up February 27th through the 29th, Scottsdale, Arizona, in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you, because whenever I get a landman on now, uh, I'm asking them for a very basic, like you're at a cocktail party, you're at a holiday party, you know, whatever the kids' soccer game and you know, you're talking to somebody about what you do for a living, having small talk, and then you say, well, I'm a landman. And then I, I know if I was in the shoes of the person, the first thing that would come out of my mouth is, well, what's a landman? And right. it's, it is one of the most complex things to try to explain to somebody, but yet it's got to be one of the most simple things, too, to where it's a landman. So do, do you have like a, a quick version or a, a very simplified version of somebody, if somebody asks you what a landman is? Right, yeah. So I'm a reformed landman now. This is a joke I like to tell. But uh, back when I was a landman, I described it as I'm a I'm the general contractor for the oil company. You know, we have our drilling company, we have our uh, midstream company, and there's a lot of things 
that need to come together and be coordinated to, to get a well drilled. And one of the landman's jobs outside of the intense, you know, I'm going to say intense, but the, there's a large portion of it where you're doing landowner relations. You're getting leases. You're making sure everything's okay on that front. You're helping to make sure all the different parts are, are coordinating with each other, right? So my job is to make sure that the location is being built. I need to make sure all the wells are permitted. I need to make sure all our leases are valid. I need to make sure we have title before the wells get drilled. I need to make sure all that information and any restriction has been communicated to the uh, to the different uh, actual physical guys, boots on the ground guys that are going out there. And it's much like a general contractor role when you're building a house. You have a bunch of specialists coming together to do plumbing or, you know, you're putting up the roof. And But uh, the general contractor is making sure these guys are all doing it in a coordinated fashion, in an efficient fashion. So, and and babysitting landowners, <laughs> that's a big part as well. And that's, uh, that's one of the fun parts. And then now in my role as an attorney, uh, you know, what, what we do and what people think of us as doing is helping oil companies figure out who owns the rocks, who owns the oil, do they have it all leased, are they good to go? But what we really do is we create value for the company by making sure that they can focus on all the myriad tasks I just described without having to worry about title risk. And that's the main thing we solve for right now. So uh, we help people get wells drilled today with the least amount of risk possible. What type of law do you practice? I mean, I, I, I know energy law, but like I said, Josh Swanson from, you know, Volga Law, he basically just does minerals. He doesn't, he doesn't really right. do much else outside. He does other things, but in the world of energy, it seems that minerals are what, you know, passes his time. Is there a, spe- a specific uh, niche or part of the law within energy you do, or is it just general? Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's a niche. Uh, we are focused heavily on the advising portion. So we don't litigate. I don't go to court. Wouldn't know where to find the courtroom. Wouldn't know. I mean, I have to call somebody to figure out how to file a suit. What we do is we work with companies, exploration companies that are going to go drill wells and they say, Hey, we want to drill this well on March 1st. We will review the title from the time it was granted from a sovereign right in texas where i am that could be could be mexico it could be the united states it could be the state of texas and we look at title all the way forward to today to make sure that they have secured all the leasehold rights at the primary and then if there's a problem you know grandma betty died 12 years ago and she didn't have a will and there's five kids all of a sudden signing leases we help them uh cure those gaps in title to make sure that they they have the rights to operate before they they get on the property so they're not committing mineral trespass or they're not unintentionally bringing in uh, working interest partners into a deal that they shouldn't. And uh, so there's a lot of different risk factors that we help them mitigate that way. Ben Holiday with Holiday Energy Law Group. Hang on the line for just a second. We're going to take a quick pause because even though it is a podcast, I still have to mention a sponsor or two. So uh, hang on the line and we'll be back in, I suppose, about 15 or 30 seconds. All right, welcome back to The Crude Life. Ben Holiday, Holiday Energy Law Group is our guest. Energy Ship Summit happened February 27th through the 29th. Is Oh, look at that, leap year this year. And, well, that means we're having Olympics and a presidential election too. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, let's see, 27th through the 29th, Energy Ship Summit. 
been a holiday. Thank you once again for hanging on and joining us. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this upcoming summit. Is it all about law or is it going to go into other areas or talk to me about your affiliation and then transition into the um, actual event itself? Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, It has very little to do with the law in a direct sense and has absolutely nothing to do with my law firm. Um, The focus of the summit is on the exponential change that we're seeing in oil and gas. And we're asking the question, what's coming over the horizon? Like, what is out there that's just over the horizon? Because the application of data, AI, machine learning, all these things are coming together in an accelerated, compounding fashion, and they're touching every part of the industry. If you are in law, or if you're in engineering, or you're in finance, your job and the way you do it and what's possible five years from now is going to be very different than the the playing field today. And from my perspective as a leader of my organization, uh, I just don't see these conversations happening like they should where people are preparing for what's coming. And, you know, there's, there's, I, I think all leaders in the industry have two choices. You can seize these opportunities that the exponential application of data and all these things are going to present, or you can watch your competition do it. And if you're not thinking about these things now, if you're not thinking about how is the application of artificial intelligence going to change my job, then when it comes, it's too late, right? It's like wanting to buy car insurance after you've had the wreck. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be too late. And so, uh, you know, there's conversations happening at Nate, right, in a, in a happy hour, and then there's conversations happening over here, but there's not a central place where there's this authentic conversation about the future where nobody's trying to sell you something, you know, uh, nobody's trying to pitch their company. And uh, so that's what we are creating. And if we're going to do it, might as well do it somewhere awesome, right? It's February. It's cold in North Dakota. Uh, might as well do it in a place where you can step out of your day-to-day. Because we had this in Houston or if we had this in San Antonio. You know, people are going to – you're going to go home and there's, there's things – the dog needs food and my kid's sick. And you need, as a leader, to take time to invest in yourself, step away from the day-to-day, get to a place where you can focus and think strategically about these things that are going to impact your business. So, and Scottsdale is the perfect place to do it. So you got Scottsdale, Arizona. That's check number one. Uh, check number two, it's during the cold time of year. Okay. So you get the people down there. Here's the million-dollar question, and, and this is not to be combative, and this is not to be confrontational. This is to be – I'm looking for the serious answer to this because um, – the, the industry has changed quite a bit and for a lot of the reasons that you just named and for the reason that you guys are having this summit, the part that I'm trying to figure out is how to get these guys and gals who show up to the conferences to pay attention and really understand that this is a very important time in our industry. And yeah. it's, it seems like we're playing a little bit too hard and it is time that we need to work a little bit hard. That doesn't mean we have to totally work hard, but at the same time, I'll give you the example. I was I, I spoke several conferences last summer, and what I was speaking about was the, the rise of environmentalism. We've been tracking it on our program for over five years, and what I said last summer was um, we had better listen up, folks, because uh, there are two presidential candidates and now it's more back then it was two Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren 
that are actively talking about banning fossil fuels, not straws, not not trying to figure out a regulation. No, they're actually saying about banning an industry. Uh, The Green New Deal, same thing, 10 years. I go, you know, this is some serious rhetoric here. This is this is like what I used to consider crazy talk. This is all part of the public discourse now. And a lot of the people were not really paying attention. And, you know, now we've got a half a dozen people that are, you know, Colorado, just they're putting uh, their Proposition 112 back on the ballot to do some some more strict bans there again. So what I'm getting at is that I, I, I like what you guys are trying to do. I think it's very important, especially the mission you said, in terms of creating uh, an environment where you can have some let's let, let's strap on the, the, the boots and, and get get our hands dirty because it's time to. But my question is, how do we get them to, to get their hands dirty? Did, did, did that rambling make any sense or did I make, yeah. you, make you upset? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. It's a great question. And, and, and I think you're right. And that's right. So Scottsdale's great. It's warm. It's beautiful. Everyone's spouse loves it. It's right during the middle of spring training. It's best golf in the world. I mean, that, that's all plus factors for having the event in Scottsdale. How you get people to pay attention is you you have, number one, it's got to be an authentic message. If people think if some of the conferences out there that you can go to, every speaker is there on behalf of their company trying to either sell their company or they're trying to bump their stock price. I mean, I would, you would be, I've sat through a lot of conferences. I've never heard anybody come up, give a presentation and say, you know what? Our rock is not as actually as good as we thought it was going to be. Our internal rate of return is actually less than we forecasted. You know, it's always these, you know, it makes it difficult to know, to parse out the truth of that. So the way I have designed this, this summit is to look at, you know, who are the biggest people out there doing what they're doing? Who has the most credibility? Who's got the most authenticity? Who's got skins on the wall? And so when you look at a, you know, data, it doesn't get any bigger than Alan Gilmer. When you look at, uh, well spacing, like what does, how many, what does the well spacing environment look like? Schlumberger, and then within Schlumberger, you have the head of North American uh, parent-child, uh, excuse me, Intel drilling. You, know, you have people on the leading edge of application of uh, AI. You have uh, the BD manager, Will Cullen, from Longpoint Minerals, who's they've raised close to $900 million in the mineral space. And so I think that's how you get people's attention. And within them, one of the reasons why they've been so enthusiastic and willing to come out and talk is I, I, I told him, I was like, this is not your typical conference where you, I want people to come up there and tell how great Schlumberger is or I want people to tell how great Longpoint is. Even though they're great, people are hungry for your opinion and they want to know what you think given what you know. And so that's the message we're going to get and that's how you get people to pay attention. What kind of response are you getting on some of the uh, big data, some of the you know cloud based applications that that whole side of things are 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 you finding that uh, people are becoming more accepting now or is there still a little bit of a learning curve yeah i think i mean people are uh, there's the early adopters and uh, people see this exponential wave coming and uh and that that started three four years ago right um i think now people have data and application of data in their life, whether they like it or not. And a lot of people are waking up and realizing sort of like you boil the, slog, the frog slowly, right? Oh my God, everything I'm doing is driven by data. Everything I'm doing is, you know, it, this is changing the way I do my work. On the land side, this is how the application data changes things. 
I bought a drafting desk because we needed big pieces of paper. <laughs> we needed to look and we read instruments. And from the time I bought the drafting desk to the time I actually got it and started using it, everything changed, and now everything's on computer, and now I can search records in North Dakota from my desk in San Antonio. I no longer, you know, no one has to go out there and do it. And that's just a microcosm. Now they have, uh, there's a bunch of really cool companies working on optical character recognition that's going to really change just our little niche of the, of the industry. And no longer are we going to have to sit here and read a thousand instruments to tell you who owns title. We're going to be able to implement augmented intelligence through OCR, through all these things, and we're going to be able to get to the get to the point much faster. And uh, you know, like it or not, this this train isn't slowing down for anybody. And uh, and uh, I think people are really starting to realize that, especially in times like this where the price is low and everyone's seeking competitive advantage. You know, you can't just drill your way out of a problem. You have to both drill good rock and be efficient. And this application of data, people are realizing this creates real competitive advantage. And if I understand it and you don't, I now have an advantage over you. And I think when you go to Scottsdale and you hear these world-class thought leaders, that's the sort of advantage we're creating for people. And then the second part of it, we've brought in a couple speakers on leadership. Say, okay, great. You got all this information. Now what do you do with it? Right? If I have all the information in the world, but I don't know how to deploy it with my team, it's not worth anything. And so we're bringing in Warren Rustan, who's vice president. He's worked in White Houses. I mean, this guy's done everything. He's going to tie that all together for us. And then equally important, right, everything's changing. You talked about all the, the governmental news. Government, government wants in the game from an environmental standpoint. And then you got to also make sure if you're in an exponential environment, what you're doing is so far ahead of what the government can regulate that you got to make sure – you're not doing things you're not supposed to intentionally or unintentionally. And uh, I was able to get Andrew Fastow on the phone. I said, hey, you know, I've heard some of your ethics talks, and I know that you've got – you've played a big role in development of ethics uh, uh, over the past few years in legality. And, uh, and he's going to come give a talk about the difference between following the rules and following the, the ethics, right? And his, uh, his message is we did a lot of things that people thought were by the rule. And it turns out we weren't following ethics, and we destroyed so much shareholder value. We destroyed our families. We destroyed our communities. And, like, he's on a mission to help leaders not repeat these same things. Because he said, I keep seeing it, and it, and it just it's unnecessary. And so we're bringing him out to talk about the ethics of this exponential environment. So, um, yeah, if, you, if, uh, if those guys don't grab your attention, you know, I don't know what will. Ben Holiday, Holiday Energy Law Group. We're talking about the Energy Ship Summit, February 27th through the 29th, Scottsdale, Arizona. I mentioned earlier, you know, I caught my eye. It was leap year, 29th. And as I was a kid, I just always remembered every you know, leap year is the Olympics and the presidential election. And so I, I, that stuck with me. Uh, you've mentioned government regulations a few times. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you uh, the same question I'm asking a lot of other people in the energy industry. Uh, we, we're, we're not a big political program, uh, however, just because of the way the environmental movement has gone and a few things of energy, we've been forced to become somewhat politically more more politically minded than we wanted to, and and energy has just become po uh, polarized. I, I've got on record and, and I've said, um, and I, I've won awards for my news skills and things like that, but 
Uh, I've, I've got on record and said 2020 is going to be the oil and gas industry's most important year probably in its history. And I, yep. I, I think that for a lot of reasons. But um, talk to me about your thoughts on my comment there. Do you think that's out of line? Do you agree with that? Do you want to elaborate on, on yes or no on that? Because it's kind of a pretty bold statement. It is a bold statement, and I think it's a valid statement. I mean, we don't have to guess about what are the intentions of the parties, right? We know where the Republican Party stands. We know where the Democrat Party stands. And now I know there's a whole lot of other stances out there, but practically speaking, for the presidential election, those are the two we need to be paying attention to. And I think that you can look at sort of two to three states and see how this plays out, right? You can take... Let's just take California and Colorado. And you have in, in California, you got the you know, Bakersfield, you have that Kern County, that traditional base of production, LA. It's been there forever. It's you know, producing oil. You got Colorado, traditional energy state. And you see the kind of value destruction that's being brought on by government, by regulation. It's really intended to regulate them out of business. That, that's what's going on. And you have a lot of really important opinions out there that are saying now Colorado is basically an uninvestable place for energy. No rational investor is going to put their money there for the long term because we know what the stance of government is going to be. You juxtapose those with what you have going on in Texas. So our regulatory stance in Texas is very pro-operator. It's also very pro-mineral owner. They strike a great balance. They work really hard to get it right for both sides. And the Texas energy industry, you know, I know we've had some struggles as of late, as everybody has, but it is, it's paying for schools, it's paying for roads, it is, it is taking off and government and industry work together to come to a good solution versus butting heads. And so I think if you say, you look at the two sides, you have one side saying, we're basically gonna take this California, Colorado model. And you have one side saying, we're gonna take the Texas model. And I think if you're in the industry, you know, which one do you want? And so, and I do think it's a very pivotal year, I mean, for many, many things, but uh, especially as this narrative, this anti-energy or anti-oil and gas, anti-fossil fuel, anti-narrative is becoming, you know, taking hold, it's going to be up to us to be advocates for our position, right? If, we, if we're not doing it, no, I mean, nobody's going to stick up for us if we don't, right? If we're not going to demonstrate this is how we're putting money in schools, this is how we're putting jobs uh, up for people. This is how we're powering the future. Hey, hey, by the way, everything you use is made of hydrocarbons. <laughs> you know, uh, and having that and telling our story in a non-combative way, I think that's up to us. And if we don't, we have to take ownership of that failure. And that's really the message I was trying to give last summer. Was you know, through the last seven years, I've had I've had some pretty high-level CEOs on this program, and they've used the word paradigm shift. And these yeah. guys don't use that word. To be to exaggerate. I mean, these guys these guys get sued if they exaggerate. So they actually on on underrate if that's even a word. So you know, when I started paying attention to that a little bit, but they would give examples. They'd say the horizontal fracturing or the horizontal drilling with the hydraulic fracturing, the combination cracked the code, and that was a paradigm shift that changed. You know, the 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 workers at the well site, and then. We have the integration come in of this big data and we've got sensors and remote drilling. And, you know, they were serious when they said paradigm shift. They were serious. And from somebody from the media, I completely understood the Internet was a paradigm shift. When you look at newspapers that had monopolies 
in towns for a hundred years, and then the new and then the internet comes around, and ten years later they're declaring bankruptcy. That's a paradigm shift. That is a paradigm shift. I mean, that's something that wipes out or enhances your industry to a new level. And that's what's going on in the oil and gas industry. But then I, I, I took a look and said, let's take that paradigm shift even further. Okay, big data has totally changed the human resources department. You talk to anybody who works in accounting or um, accounts receivables and, and traffic and logistics, big data has revolutionized that. Okay, let's go out to landmen and let's go out to people in the field. LIDAR and, and drones and absolutely that's paradigm shift changed everything. So why not public relations? Why not take a look at the way the energy industry has really approached public relations and engaging and interacting with people? Because to me, that's the one part that they haven't changed at all. And so I say that to you as a, as a conference person because I was giving that message at conferences last summer. And part of the thing I was saying is that when I look around, 90% of you people I see it at all the same conferences. So we've got to figure out ways to engage. So it's it's another challenge to you, I guess, to say, hopefully this interview will get more people that have not been at your uh, event in the past. Do you know what I mean by that? Where, where we need to get more people involved that have traditionally not been involved. And I, I, I think a platform like yours is very um, uh, open to that. I mean, if people can come and just kind of, kind of um, have new topics. I mean, you start talking about some of the topics that you guys have. These are new topics to the industry. Some of these are. Right. These are these are kind of, you know, um, there is no easy answer. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that you, 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 again, you nailed it, right? There's a paradigm shift. And for every old line business that tried to do things the same way that went bankrupt, you got an Amazon. And so leaders right now got to ask themselves in the oil and gas industry, and aside from how am I going to represent myself to the community, you know, where am I taking my organization? Am I taking it the way of uh, the local bank, or am I taking it the way of Amazon? And what we're going to do in Scottsdale is bring together thought leaders to help all the attendees, all the leaders there, take their business in the direction of Amazon as opposed to uh, – as opposed to some of the, you know, being the best uh, horse-drawn carriage out there in the, in the era of the, of the combustion engine. Well, I, I think we're in an era of change right now. And, you know, I don't know if I want to say downturn or anything along those lines because, you know, you take like the Bakken and the Permian and they're still pumping out millions of barrels a day. Um, the, the energy companies have gotten a little more streamlined and there's a little bit more of a decline curve than what's happened in the past. And, and rig counts are just an antiquated way to to project business now, and everybody knows that rig counts need to be reinvented. How how that is done? But the one thing that's true and true is they are still drilling, and there is still a lot of money on this planet. And you just got to figure out a way to make a better steak sandwich than the other guy. You know, it's kind of like that time where. There's still business out there to be had, but it's 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 a little there's a little bit of competition out there right now, and you've just got to figure out a way to have an edge and make that better steak sandwich and 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 all that. And these conferences really can help a guy do that. Absolutely, on both sides, right? If I'm raising money, my value proposition has to be stronger than the 18 other guys trying to get, trying to raise the same fund. And the way I'm going to do that is harnessing these paradigm shifting. Uh, 
uh, capabilities that are out there. On the other side, if I'm an investor, I'm an, a private equity guy, I'm a finance guy, I need to know what is out there, what should I be investing in when these teams come in my office and we sit in the conference room and they pitch me, what should I be looking for? Like, what is what is out there? And uh, again, that's the that's the why of the Energy Shift Summit. That's why everybody needs to come to Scottsdale because that's what we're talking about. So wrapping up here, we try to stick them around 30 minutes, our programs, but look at that. We went into overtime. Another thing about podcasts, you don't have to be beholden to uh, – radio clocks and and show clocks and things like that so that's another fun thing about i'm learning about these podcast rules uh which there really are none uh so what's uh give us the details one more time just kind of in summary if you i like to summarize that's i'm I'm, you know I'm, i'm still a writer that's why i originally got into this gig so uh uh just kind of summarize the uh event. We were talking with Ben Holiday, Holiday Energy Law Group, but the Energy Ship Summit coming up with, go ahead. Yep, Energy Ship Summit, February 27th, 29th. We're going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Mountain Shadows uh, Hotel there in Paradise Valley. All the details are on energyshipsummit.com, but we're going to be meeting for two days for a conversation with the likes of Alan Gilmer, we have Slumberjay, we have the support of QRI group, uh, we're going to have David Ramsden Wood, and we're just going to be talking about data and markets and engineering and leadership. We're going to have Andy Fastow talk about ethics, and we're going to just take a big holistic look at all this exponential changes that's happening and saying, where's this opportunity and how can I uh, execute on it? And I'd love to see everybody out there. Do you guys have a website? We do, yeah, energyshipsummit.com. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. That's going to do it for today's The Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us here today. Also, Ben Holiday with the Holiday Energy Law Group. Thank you very much for joining the program. And his event that he's going to be a part of, Energy Ship Summit, happening February 27th through the 29th in Scottsdale, Arizona. All of those links are available at thecrudelife.com, our show page. You can go there and click on the different links and go from Ben Holiday to the energy ship to our headlines that you've seen throughout the day to other things that we have, whether it's our planet service announcement or uh, social media links. You know, we're on social media, by the way. We've got Facebook and YouTubes and, and 
Twitters and LinkedIn, all kinds of different uh, social media. We got a newsletter. Boy, we do all kinds of different things, Provolone. And, you know, so here's the deal, Provolone. Folks, thank you for stay, sticking with us here. And we had a Super Bowl party this weekend, and it went very well. You know, Provolone, he was a great, great host and great co-host, if you will. And he was very good, but he did get suspended for today for not spe- not being able to speak. And, you know, he talked a little bit too much about the Alien Palindrome talk, apparently with the 2 2 20 whatever it was. And then he had some manner issues, language especially double dipping chips and taking a drink out of people's sodas without asking. I mean, just just weird things like that. Um, he got a little inebriated. You know, his hands got a little busy as he got a little inebriated. You know, not, nothing we can't handle. Nothing, you know, it's, it, was, it was after hours. It was a private party. But anytime you miss private and public, whether it's government and business, or your private life and your professional life, you have to just, you know, it's it's a different deal. There's some landmines. There are landmines. And provolone, it, you, you're, you're going to set some people off, okay? And, and you did two trigger words. You, two trigger words, okay? First one is don't, ever say Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is a dream ticket. Okay? Don't ever say that unless you're obviously making a, a hilarious joke about, you know, a rabbi, a nun, and a farmer walking to a bar, something like that. Don't ever start a sentence with, I bet socialism would work if we just did. Those are the types of landmines that I'm not willing to even deal with anymore at my type of gatherings because the people that I, I you know that, that I hang around they're very open-minded about a lot of things but you know when you start talking about things that you did like that boy you're hitting some sensitive issues there buddy I'll tell you what folks that's going to do it for today we appreciate it very much for tuning in who do we got coming up later this week Terry Edom the man the myth the legend the author the writer the all kinds of energy public energy number one Terry Edom's going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about hiring and firing and recruiting coming up this week as well. Plus, we have a couple calls down in the Chesapeake, down in Oklahoma, to see if we can't get some representatives on there to pass some information along to help some families out down there as well. So a lot happening this week. Folks, thank you very much for tuning in and joining us at the Crude Life Podcast. We will be back tomorrow from the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Kathleen Skama, president of the Western Energy Alliance, about her recent testimony in Washington, D.C. 
in just a moment. Part of our exclusive interview with Kathleen Skama, president of the Western Energy Alliance, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. You know, New Mexico is really interesting. I'm glad you brought it up because oil and natural gas provides about a third of the state's budget. Because of increased growth in the Permian Basin in New Mexico, I mean, everybody kind of thinks of the Permian in Texas, but it straddles New Mexico-Texas border. Um, we've delivered about 1.3 additional, uh, 1.3 billion in additional funding, and a lot of that is going to education. So while Governor Grisham is getting um, sniping from the left, complaining that she supports fracking and that she's not trying to shut down the oil and natural gas industry, she is trying to get free college tuition for New Mexico students. And she wouldn't be able to do that without the extra $1.3 billion that the oil and natural gas has, uh, industry has delivered over the last year. So um, she's an interesting case. In, you know, she is getting that pressure from the left, but the practicality of governing and the huge benefit to students, low-income students suddenly being able to afford college, the, the benefit speaks for itself. So I think she's certainly much more reasonable than what we see in the governor of uh, Colorado, who doesn't quite see the benefits. He's more of a crusader against oil and natural gas and, you know, kind of a true believer. So there is a much more difficult environment in Colorado as a result. And that was Kathleen Skama, president of the Western Energy Alliance. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Be sure to join our social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the YouTubes. Go to thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember... Energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking the Davis Refinery. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.